Before we get started this morning, uh, I just want to embarrass uh, the Dixons. They are here uh, from the uh, West. Stand up. Everybody see you. All right, turn around so everybody can see you first. Okay. They, they uh, worshiped with us for many years, and they uh, moved out west, and they were here this morning, so it's good to see them. And uh, glad that you were able to return, so greet them on your way out. As I said, this morning we are going to be installing uh, Kevin Quieter in the office of deacon. The diaconate plays a very important role in our church, as it does in all churches. And so before we actually uh, formally install Kevin as a deacon, we're going to consider what we can learn about the diaconate from the New Testament. Uh, turn with me in your Bibles, or if you don't have them open already, to Acts chapter 6. In Acts 6, though Luke does not use the word de- deacon, to describe the seven individuals that established to serve the church. Nevertheless, the foundation for the diaconal order is certainly laid in this particular portion of the Word of God. So from Acts chapter 6, we are going to consider the following in relationship to deacons. First, the reason for establishing deacons. Secondly, the requirement for deacons. Third, the response that we should have to deacons, and then fourthly, the results of the work of deacons. So first, the reason for the establishment of the diaconate, the historical setting. There are a number of factors that played a role in the establishment of deacons in the early church. The first factor that led to the establishment of the deacons was that the church was growing. If you look at Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number. When the disciples were increasing in number. As a church grows, it becomes ever more difficult to minister to all of the individuals that are attending for worship and who affiliate with the church, make themselves a part of the people of God. So the church was growing. The second factor that led to the establishment of the deacons was that some people in the church were being overlooked. If you look at Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists arose against the Hebrews, and here's the reason, because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. We're going to look at this complaint in just a moment, but I begin by looking at the validity of the complaint. Uh, This isn't just people that are upset about nothing to be upset over. Here are people that are upset because there were widows that were being neglected in the daily distribution. Now what that daily distribution was, we can't say with absolute certainty, but it was probably foodstuffs, it was probably meals that were being taken to, to widows, on a daily basis. And there were some widows that were being neglected, that weren't receiving this daily distribution. So this program that was established was not as effectual as it needed to be. The responsibility was becoming too great for the apostles to oversee. And uh, the church also 
was becoming more diverse in its makeup. If you look at Acts chapter 6, verse 1, it says a complaint by the Hellenists against the Hebrews. There was a complaint, it says, in verse 1, a complaint by the Hellenists against the Hebrews. The word for complain is an unpleasant word. In the Septuagint, the word is used of the Israelites murmuring against Moses in the wilderness. Uh, so this is probably more in the light of complaining as opposed to a complaint. As opposed to a once and done formal presentation, uh, there was a murmuring, there was an ongoing unsettledness because these widows were being neglected. It wasn't a once and done affair, but it appears to have been habitual to some degree. So there is legitimate reason for people being concerned. It was true. The, some widows were being neglected. And it says that it was by the Hellenists against the Hebrews. Hellenists were Greek-speaking Jews. The Hebrews were Hebrew-speaking Jews. And there was a clash, naturally, between the Greek-speaking Jews and the Hebrew-speaking Jews. The Hebrew-speaking Jews had a tendency to look down their nose uh, at the Greek-speaking Jews. Uh, after the exile, uh, the, the uh, children of Israel, uh, many of them, uh, got to the place where they could no longer speak the mother language. Uh, they could no longer speak Hebrew. Uh, they could no longer uh, function in that particular realm. But the godly Jews, uh, those that had been very concerned about the Torah, continued to study Hebrew so that they could read the scriptures uh, in their own language. And they became elitist. And they, as I said, looked down their nose at the Greeks that, that couldn't speak Hebrew. They were second class. And they were obviously not concerned about the things of God or they would have taken the time uh, to learn Hebrew in the thinking of the Hebrew-speaking Jews. So there was a natural clash that existed between these two groups. Now, both groups are being saved, brought into the life of the church, and they're bringing their baggage with them. And so the complaint, the murmuring, is not only the fact that they're being neglected, but there's a suspicion here as to why <laughs> these widows are being neglected. And they're thinking, well, it's because of animosity. It's because of uh, not being accepted. We're not really a part of this church because they're not caring for us the way they care for their own. And so it was a divisive issue. And it was pretty significant. It was, it was pretty important. The deacons are going to be established to care for the material and physical needs of the congregation. However, there was not to be a complete dichotomy here or a spiritual uh, division. For notice, fourthly, the fourth factor that led in the establishment of the deacons was to free up the apostles to do their work. Verse 2. And the twelve summoned the full number of the disciples and said, 
It is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the spirit of wisdom, whom we will appoint to this duty. Verse 4. But we will devote ourselves to prayer and the ministry of the word. So up until this point, the apostles were overseeing this daily distribution. So from that, we can see that it really wasn't an issue of animosity or hatred or uh, a lack of concern that the Hebrews had for the Greek-speaking Jews, for it was the apostles that were in charge of this. But it was simply something that had gotten beyond their control, uh, something that was requiring far too much of their time to oversee and to direct. And the solution, wisely, was not to give up preaching and teaching so that they could be out there handing out these meals, but they said, we, we need help. <laughs> we need someone to come alongside and give us aid so that we can do our particular work. That is not to say that the feeding of the widows was unimportant. However, for the apostles, the ministry of the word of the, of, of, of the Lord had to remain top priority. The apostles and elders were to care for the spiritual needs of the congregation. The deacons were established to care for the material and physical needs of the congregation. However, we're not to see a complete dichotomy in these two groups, but rather we're to see that they work together. Application as we fast forward to today. Today we can see the benefits to our own church that there are in keeping with the benefits of the early church. That is, that it is the deacons that do a wonderful job in ministering to our widows, as well as ministering in many different ways in the life of our church. Secondly, that the good work of the deacons plays a major role in keeping peace and unity within the church. Um, these needs are real. These needs are legitimate. And if these needs are not going to be met, it brings about strife. It brings about division. It brings about complaining. So when deacons do their work well, it is a major factor in the peace and unity of the church. People get along. We enjoy a tremendous amount of unity in our church, and I would point for one of those specific reasons is that I think our deacons do a fantastic job. They labor behind the scenes in innumerable ways in helping individuals in serving the material and physical needs of our church, and I thank them highly for it. Thirdly, the good work of the deacons frees the elders and pastoral staff to be able to minister in other ways in the life of the church. Um, I am thankful uh, that I have the opportunity uh, to be able to study and to be able to preach and teach the Word of God and to be able to pray for our congregation. And uh, if I had to be going around and meeting all the physical and material needs of everybody in our church, obviously that could not get done. And there would be no way that I could do all that needs to be done. So I personally am grateful uh, for it does indeed free people up uh, to be able to serve in other capacities. That's why they were established. I can look at the requirements of the early diaconate. 
What kind of people were they looking for? Here we have a sketch. First, those chosen to be deacons had to be respected. Acts chapter 6, verse 3. Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men, good of good repute. That is, of good reputation. Literally, they had to be people who were of good witness or had a good testimony. These had to be individuals who both groups would have trust in and be satisfied with. <clears throat> These are individuals that everyone would look to and say, they're fair, <laughs> they're responsible, they will take care of this, they will do a good job. Uh, they needed to be people that the whole congregation had confidence in. Uh, so these Hellenists would know that indeed the widows would be treated the way they should be. Secondly, those chosen to be deacons had to be godly. Notice it says in verse 3, full of the Holy Spirit. They had to be people who evidenced the fruit of the Holy Spirit in their own lives. People that are, you think of the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, happiness, peace, uh, contentment. Uh, these were people that had to be loving. They had to be gracious. They had to be kind. They had to be truly concerned about those that they were ministering to. Uh, they had to be people that would respond in a godly way uh, to the complaints and, and to uh, the hurts that they were going to be, be ministering to. Not only did they have to be godly, they had to be wise. It says that they were to be full of wisdom in verse 3. They had to know how to carry out the work that was entrusted to them. Uh, they had to be people that were going to organize, that were going to come up with some kind of system to make sure that these widows would not be overlooked anymore, that would not be neglected. They, they had to somehow uh, construct responsibilities, the seven of them, uh, taking on obviously different groups, different individuals. Uh, but the wisdom that was necessary uh, as I say, to put out the fires. Uh, it isn't always easy to know how to respond to people that are complaining, to people that are upset, that, that people aren't happy with what's going on in the life of the church. Uh, it takes a lot of wisdom. It takes a lot of godliness uh, not to promote that fire and not to say, I know what you're talking about. I feel the same way. <laughs> These things bother me too. Uh, you know, and, and not fan the flame, but rather to be able to say, well, you know, uh, our brothers have good hearts. Uh, they're not intentionally overlooking. They're not trying to neglect. Uh, they love you. They care for you. Uh, please try to understand. That's why they chose us to, to meet this need, to have the wisdom, to have the godliness, uh, to be able to smooth feathers, to meet needs, and to promote unity and further godliness in the life of the church. So the role of a deacon is extremely important, again, to this whole aspect of unity in the life of the church. So their character is very, very important, that they are going to be people who are respected, people who are godly, people who are wise. And again, I'm grateful that God has given us such men to serve as deacons in our church.
Thirdly, the church's response to establishing the early deacons. How the exact process went, we are not told. It says in verse 3, Therefore, brothers, pick out from among you seven men of good repute. Uh, how they went about that, we are not told. Uh, the word select, though, or to pick, has at its root to investigate. They were to look into finding seven men that would meet these qualifications of godliness and of respect and of wisdom. They were to examine. Um, the way that we do that in the life of our church is that we have a nominating committee. A nominating committee is elected by our congregation. It's comprised of two elders and uh, two non-elders and myself. And uh, we bring nominations for elders, for deacons, and for other offices in the life of our church. Uh, we bring forth names. And uh, those names are then brought to the board of elders, and then they are brought to the congregation. And then the congregation uh, votes on these individuals to ratify them, uh, to express their support, to say, yes, we agree. Uh, we think these individuals uh, should serve in a particular capacity for which they have been nominated. And so we have brought the name of Kevin Kreider at our last congregational meeting, and the congregation voted to indeed uh, approve our brother as a deacon. Secondly, the plan to have deacons was well received by the entire congregation. Acts chapter 6, verse 5, and what they said pleased the whole gathering. That's no small feat to please everybody. But uh, everyone was happy with this decision. They were happy that the apostles were going to continue to preach and teach. They were happy that these people were going to be established to meet this need. Uh, which again, we see a lot of spiritual maturity in this church in Jerusalem. For there are some times when people, when they get upset, you can't do anything to please them. They, 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 they won't be reconciled. They, they won't let it go, as it were. But these were individuals that had a legitimate concern. It was heard, it was addressed, and the solution was accepted. Couldn't go any better than that. Uh, so often it is that when there is a concern, it's heard, it's addressed, and yet people are not satisfied in the, the way it's addressed or, or move on to something else that they are unhappy with and move into another area of complaint. That didn't happen here. Everyone is happy with what took place. Then the deacons were chosen, and they are listed before you. The interesting thing about these, these seven men, we don't know a great deal about them personally, except this. They all had Hellenistic names. Uh, so all seven of these, uh, it appears, uh, came from that group that was complaining about their widows being neglected. Um, that shows, number one, that they didn't view this group as second class. It shows that they really did appreciate the Hellenists that were among them. 
And they elevated seven of them to what was then the highest level you could get in the congregation. All right? So their neglect really was a matter of just too much to do, too much oversight, problems with language barriers, etc. Uh, but they, they chose seven of these Hellenists to serve in the life of the church, which again demonstrates that the Hebrews viewed them as godly, <laughs> viewed them as wise, and treated them with respect. So it really was a wonderful solution. Next, the deacons were installed. Acts chapter 6, verse 6. These they set before the apostles, and they prayed, and they laid their hands on them. Laying their hands on them is a, a symbolic way of entrusting this individual with authority, with responsibility. And so when I'm done with my message, when we install uh, Kevin as a deacon, we're going to call the elders up front. He is going to kneel uh, on this bench. We're going to gather around him. We're going to lay our hands upon him, saying that we invest in him this authority, this responsibility, this duty, uh, that he serves under the auspices of the, uh, of the elders. The laying on of hands was nothing magical or mystical. It was a symbolic gesture of identifying with these men and also conferring authority upon them to carry out their ministry. Fast forward to today. As I said, we are going to do just that as we install our brother uh, as a deacon in the life of our church. I'd like to point out the results of having established the early deacons. The first result was that the apostles were able to continue their work. If you look at verse 4, notice the concern of the apostles. They said, we can't be serving tables Verse 4, but we will devote ourselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. All right? This was not a scapegoat. <laughs> this was not an insincere uh, concern on the part of the apostles. This is not them trying to wheeze out of any kind of work or responsibility. Uh, they were not just trying to slough off. They were not making an excuse for themselves. They said... We're going to give ourselves to prayer, and we're going to give ourselves to the word. If you free up these, these deacons. Now, remember that before they had the deacons, the apostles are overseeing this responsibility. So in giving this to the deacons, this gave the apostles more time. This gave them more freedom to do what? To be preaching and to be praying. And notice the result. Verse 7. And the word of God continued to increase. Not just the numbers increased, the word of God increased. Their preaching got better. Their preaching probably was more regular. Their preaching was growing as a result of being freed from this other responsibilities and duties. Now they had time to do what it was that God had entrusted them to do. So, <clears throat> the word of God grew. Secondly, the second result was that the church was able to continue to grow. Verse 7, and the word of God continued to increase, and now this, 
and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. We saw early on in Acts chapter 6 that the church was increasing. That was creating problems. Now they established the deacons, and the result was it increased even more. And it increased even at a greater rate than it was increasing before because they had met all the limitations that were keeping them from growing. Uh, as a church grows, it has to develop. It, it has to take on more form. It has to take on more oversight. It has to involve more people in ministry or it's going to choke the life of the church. So as you are able to expand the number of people that are ministering and serving in the life of the church, you're giving opportunity for the church to grow and to increase and to continue to meet the needs of the individuals so that people aren't overlooked, so that people aren't neglected, but their needs indeed are being met. So as a church grows, so must its oversight. Thirdly, the third result was that the Jewish community was being reached. Acts chapter 6, verse 7, the word of God continued to increase, and the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And now this, and a great many of the priests became obedient to the faith. Now that's a really significant statement. And many of the priests became obedient to the faith. As this is something new. This is something different. Here is a people group that up until this point hasn't been really successfully reached. Uh, the priests, of course, are, have, were those that were historically opposed to Jesus. The priests were involved in stirring up the crowds to reject Jesus. And now we're seeing a lot of the priests coming to faith. Why? Why would the diaconate have anything to do with priests coming to faith? I submit to you two reasons. The first reason, the lesser of the two, is that the priests would be the Hebrew-speaking Jews. And as these deacons are taking care of the Hellenistic Jews, it is giving people opportunity to speak to and minister to these priests. But most importantly is the word of God is increasing. The word of God is developing. These priests, who are the most knowledgeable in the Jewish community of the word of God, are now hearing the word of God in an effectual way that is causing them to come to faith. As that preaching is developed, it's having an impact on those that are most concerned with the word of God. And they're being instructed, and they're being taught the word of God, and they're coming to faith. All because the apostles are given the opportunity to devote themselves to the word and to prayer, and this vital part of the life of the church is going on effectually. It is so important that 
the spiritual development in the life of the church, the preaching and the teaching of the word of God. And when I'm saying the preaching and teaching, I'm not just talking about, about myself. I'm talking about the pastoral staff. I'm talking about our Sunday schools. Uh, I'm talking about people in our church that are presenting the word of God, that they need enough time to be spent in studying the word of God that they are growing and that we in turn grow as a result of this better understanding. So you gotta give them the opportunity to be doing that. And if they're being deployed in other ways, it just takes away from the opportunity they have to give to the word of God. It's a, a mutual washing of hands, as it were. It's a, a mutual benefit one to another. So I am incredibly grateful to our deacons and all the work that is done. I can just give you so many examples. I mean, there are, are things that I just never give a second thought to. When there's a funeral here at the church, uh, I'm working on a funeral message. I'm not up here setting up chairs. I'm not setting up tables. <laughs> I'm not putting out food. Not that any of that is beneath me. Not that I am so great and wonderful that I can't be setting up chairs and setting up tables. But I have something else to do. And because other people are doing their job, I don't even have to worry about it. I don't even have to think about it. I know it's going to be done. And it's going to be done well. And it's going to minister to people. And what we need to realize is, you know, when you have those compassion meals... And, and people come in, it isn't just the word of God that ministers to those people. It is that meal. It is that concern. And so many people are so impressed with the quality of the, of the compassion meal. And people will appreciate, families express their appreciation. Extended family members of these things that are done. It is so important that all of this is accomplished in the life of the church. The fourth result was that Stephen blossomed. Acts chapter six, verse eight. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen was having a tremendous influence in the church and in the community. Stephen is the very first martyr in the church. Stephen was having an incredible impact upon the church and upon the community. He flourished, he blossomed, he developed. You know, one of the great things about the opportunity to be involved in leadership is that it grows the leaders as well. It, it, it develops the people in leadership. It starts with godliness, it starts with wisdom, and it starts with a good reputation. And then you need more godliness. You need greater wisdom. And you really need the respect of others. It, it grows you. It develops you. Again, if I may use a, a personal illustration, I can't tell you how thankful I am to be able to continue to be preaching the word of God for 37 years in the same congregation. And one of the reasons I'm thankful is because of my own spiritual growth, my own spiritual development. I know the word of God a lot better today than I knew it 37 years ago. 
That's a great blessing. That's a great joy. Our elders, our deacons, our Sunday school teachers, the more you serve and the longer you serve, the more you will grow in your relationship to God. The more you will develop in your own godliness. The more wisdom that you will receive. The more experiences that you have. The more trials that you experience. The more flames you put out. The more compassion you will have. The more understanding. The more grace. The more recognition of our limitations. The more understanding of how much we need the Lord's help how we see our own inadequacies, our own limitations, and we cry out for God to give us abilities that that we just don't possess on our own. It's a great joy. So our brother is going to be a blessing to our congregation. And our brother, Kevin, is going to be a blessing to you to be a deacon. I appreciate your life now. But your life is only going to mature and develop and increase more and more through these responsibilities that you take on. You're going to learn so much more about yourself and about our Lord and his goodness. So we are grateful this morning for this opportunity to install our brother as a deacon. So I'm going to ask our brother Kevin Kreider if you would come forward at this time.